Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's great to see you, man. Same here, bud. It's uh, it's been a long time. I don't know. Have you ever met Craig before? I don't think we have, but I feel like I know this guy. Like he, like I played with him for ten years. I've been off air right now talking to Nick, and uh, I feel like I've played with him. I've seen you a couple times when I was in Buffalo, but no, never had the chance to play against or with you. Nick, can I tell you something? If you're anything like me and we're very, we had very similar roles, you would have wanted to fucking kill this guy. <laughs> There's not a lot of people I don't want to kill sometimes. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you something, man. You would have wanted to absolutely tear Riv's head off. That's the kind yeah. of player he was. I don't even know oh, a player in the league that's like him right now. Maybe Gudis. I'm, okay. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> fucking didn't play like Gudis. I first of all, he's he he play. He's a pretty tough kid in the sense that he loves to hit. He's seek and destroy. But I mean, I don't. He's. I don't think we're quite the same. Anyway, so how are you, man? I'm good, good. You know, just just got home from uh from Philly. Uh, you know, you know how it is with kids. Your summers are shorter, shorter, and uh, it's it's a new life. You know. You're you're established in the league now, and and let me just say this: we are big fans of yours. I have admired the way you've gone about starting your career here in Buffalo, moving your way through, landing in Philly. What a great contract you're on! I mean, you got some security. How are you feeling right now? Yeah, no, obviously it's it was a tough path, you know, just being a D man to going to having a chance with uh, Tim Murray to to play me in the NHL as a forward. But uh, I know uh, it goes by so quick. I know you guys probably say it so many times when you're done. It just flies by. But, you know, this last, would say last, not last year, two years ago, I knew I was putting myself in a situation where this meant my career pretty much. You know, I was first time going UFA and uh, kind of picking where I could go because I was, I knew I had a good season, but I knew as well that, the role that I have, there was not a lot of people. So 
I was kind of high on the list uh, of the UFAs, but just not goal-wise and point-wise, just the style that I play. And I was able to choose and, you know, been always signing extensions of one year or two years and now signing four years is, you know, it's, it's yeah, but hold much, on. It's say, it, say it with me. Say it with me. Ready? Say it with me. Four <laughs> years, $1.75 million. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, I, I, my agent, when we signed, he was like, you know what? I think we could have got more. I was like, I don't fucking care. You know, I, I got four years. That's what I wanted. I got, I got a family to, 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 to feed. And for me, it was more security. You know, I think, and it came in places that, you know, it was down to two or three teams. And now it's, you know, I'm a big family guy, eight hour drive. It was, it was a perfect fit. And obviously I'm a guy that loves challenges. And when Torts calls me and tells me to fucking sign the contract, you yeah. fucking signed the contract. So when so. you came out of Quebec, when you came into the Quebec Major Junior, you were you were a defenseman. Yep, drafted you, you as a D-man as well. Played your whole life youth hockey into junior hockey, drafted as a defenseman, and now all of a sudden, all these years later, five hundred and eighty-six games played so far, and not done, right? Where, where, like, where do you think that you're at? Like, are you? happy with all this process that you went through um all the ups and downs to get to where you are right now yeah no you you nailed it right there you know when you when you say ups and downs there's so many in a career but the, the funny thing when i talk to people they're like when i look at your quebec major junior stats you you almost a, in your last year was almost a point per game as a d-man uh and i keep making fun of myself and saying yeah you know from Four years old to getting drafted, whatever I'd done was, was pointless because I'm a forward now. But uh, no, it was a transition that you never think it's going to happen. But at the same time, you know, it was my third year pro and I was in Manch. And you know how it is now. Young guys stay over in the summer. Like we have a, a lot of kids now in Philly, you know, trying to do the lineup and, and you know, they want to spend the summer there and prove themselves. And I did that three years in a row in LA and my third year, they cut me, I think one of the first ones. And I was like, well, that's a flap in the face. You asked me to spend three years there and nothing happened. So that's when I started knowing that my career was, am I going to be a HL player, five, six defenseman? And to be honest with you, there's nothing wrong with that. You get still get paid to play, play a game, but that's when, you know, you kind of look around and see your options and then, Played a couple games as a forward and it went well. And then obviously Tim Murray and Buff just pretty much said that I want him as a forward, so we'll trade for him. And that just jumpstart my career. And I knew with the size I had, I wasn't a fighter in junior. My first three years in the A, I would fight maybe once, twice minimum. And then now I am trying to make a living with that. You know, it's amazing. I'm looking at your junior stats in Gatineau. 48 games played you played in your last year. You had 13 goals and 43 points plus 22 as a defenseman. It's insane stats. Well, why don't you go over to the Then I'm looking at your, I'm looking at your, uh, your PIMS, 53 PIMS. Like you can get that in, in one night now. I'm like, like, were you not fighting in junior hockey not not much. That's the thing. I think, like I said, I was maybe once, like under under four times a year. 
And even in the A, I wasn't fighting that much. And then, you know, just started even my first couple of years, I think. Why is buff. why is that? Why why uh I think just playing more with the puck. Now I don't I don't want that little black thing on the ice. You know, I think it's it's that's the main thing. But no, I think it's uh my role changed, you know. Where, where, where did it change? What, like, what was the so, point where you said, okay, this is what I have to be now? So my third year in EA, pretty much when I was playing back and forth, like one game I was playing on the, on the back end, the other game I was playing forward, kind of helping out. It was kind of a all cluster down there. We had some injuries. We had some guys getting called up back in the days when Toffoli was starting, Tanner Pearson and all those guys. So it was kind of, back and forth that I was playing, taking their spots when they were getting called up for two days. And and then I was succeeding up front, then going on the backhand and doing my thing. So it was kind of still the same. And then trade deadline came up. I think I, I had 18 goals in the A when trade deadline came up. And uh, that's when now Tim... Is that, that was as a forward? Half and half, forward and D. Wow. And then that was and when I what? You were going to say that's when Tim Murray traded for you? Yeah, so he traded for me, and he said, so at that point, my agent was like, so do you want him as a D-man or a forward? And he's like, no, I want him as a forward. So obviously, I think I played my first year there, not for first year, but I think I played 17 games there in Buff and just just as a forward. And that's when, I think that next year, you know, I think I fought Brendan Pruss, and that kind of, I, didn't, I, I don't think I won. I don't think I lost, but I kind of got the, okay, he's one of the, high-end tough guys technical and everything and i held my part and that's when super it technical i fought him twice in one game when i was with the devils and he, i just i think i was so frustrated with the fact that i was throwing as hard as i fucking could and i couldn't he had such a good hold yeah he moved so well and he's and he's frustrating as hell and he's a little he's yeah. a little bigger than i thought but he's really strong too which kind yes. of yes Totally threw yes. me off. I thought I was going to so fucking ragdoll the guy. So that's that's that point that for me, I wasn't fighting much, and I fought one of the top guys of the league. And I kind of that's when I kind of started thinking, okay, the, it's not just about trying to destroy this guy's face. There's like techniques and things. And then you know, throughout the years, I like spent a decent amount of time in Buffalo, and I was still not at the point that I am now of fighting every five games, pretty much. But it uh, kind of got me into that role. And then going to Montreal was was a good thing for me offensively because I scored, I think, 10 goals that first year. And then that second year, you know, fluke accident, I had facial surgery. And I think I finished with two two passes that game, that year. But I asked out of there because I got told that I wasn't allowed to fight as many times as I wanted. And, you know, going to Anaheim, I think, is the biggest turning point of my career going in that division where I kind of have to prove that, you know, I'm still okay at a, as a hockey player, but at the same time that nobody's going to fuck around with us. And, you know, I, I, I laugh about it. Me and Curtis McDermott were roommates when I was in LA and I was able to fight him two or three times a year. So that kind of got the ball rolling. And then I think I've been averaging with 14, 12, 14 a, a year. So it's uh, kind of made my name. And now, like I said, two summers ago was pretty much my summer that I needed to prove that, you know, this is the biggest contract I can sign. And, you know, it, every, everything happened for a reason. And 
you know, getting traded to Minnesota as well, you know, tasting the playoffs, it's uh, kind of put me in that mindset of, you know, I'm still important in, in the league. And, uh, you know, even if you look at the stats, it's obviously everybody wants to score 20, 30, 40 goals. But, you know, I, I want to be that guy that, you know, maybe get my five a year and get my PIMS and, you know, that's it. You see how uh, Vegas just won. It was their their fourth line guys. It was, you know, your utility guys that went out and got the job done for you. I think you played with William Carrier. I think yeah. you played with him, right? Yeah. Didn't he come in the trade with you from L.A.? No, oh. so he came. He was was he in St. Louis? With St. Louis, St. Louis. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, St. Louis. Yeah, and then um, I think we spent a year and a half, and then he got uh, picked from the expansion. Yeah, right, right. Tell me, uh, tell me the top five toughest players in in the NHL right now. Well, I got to put McDermott there, even if I I fought like I fought him so many times, and it's just the length that he has. It's it's you know I like the, the way typical, he fights. I like the way yeah, he guys fight. We've been Petey and I at uh, after the whistle here have been trying to acquire uh, Curtis McDermott for quite some time now. Just no one's listening. (laughs) We love him, you know. He's 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 a everything about a fighter. He has the length, the strength, the techniques. I would put him in there. I think you guys still put Luch. Luch is just just a horse. You know, I fought him twice, and uh, he he has that man strength when he grabs you. He's uh. You can you can feel you're not fighting some somebody uh, that doesn't fight that often and uh, you know on top of my head like that you know that I fought that kid too in uh, San Jose Gajevich. he's uh, he's pretty tough too you know I got my French boy too Olivier that plays in Columbus he's up there uh, but he top five I you know Revo has to be in there as well you know I think he he lucky enough it took me a while to fight him but we fought you know twice already but you know i think that would be you know in that top five i would probably put those guys yeah and like you know we we've talked to over the years uh pd and i have been doing a show and a podcast together we've talked to a lot of um former players that have played uh a certain style um just very much like yourself and and what pd has done and a lot of those guys that we talked to back when they played even 20 years ago, 25 years ago, a lot of these guys have said the same thing. And I never realized this because I was not, I was not fighting heavyweights. I was, I was fighting in a nice weight class where it was real nice and comfortable. And, uh, you know, I wasn't worried about fighting. Okay. But the other side of things were were guys like yourself, guys like Petey and guys in that era back 25 years ago that had to fight each other. It was dangerous. And a lot of them talked about how they couldn't sleep the night before, how they had anxiety going to the rink. It was a long, long process of thinking about that fight where you knew you were fighting that guy. Um, do you ever feel like that? Do you ever have that um, nervousness, anxiety, you know, almost scared? that you know what's going to happen that night? Yeah, no, it's a great question, but no, it's never hit me. You know, I think I do, I do my homeworks. Obviously I'm lucky enough that I fought pretty much everybody that I think I'm going to fight. And I kind of look, you know, thanks for technology, you know, hockey fight and all those things. You're able to go see your fights and kind of see the tendency, but uh, no, I'm a guy that I don't consider myself the toughest guy in the league at all. I don't care of what people think. I just 
I'm not scared. So for me, I think it just, it takes a big weight off your shoulder of thinking of, oh, I don't want to get embarrassed here. You know? Shit happens, man. It's a, it's not an easy job. It's a, To be honest with you, it sucks. There's some days, for me, it's more the aftermath with the hype of fighting than you go trying to sleep that night. That's the hardest part for me. You're kind of still, the adrenaline is still there. And then obviously the next day, something hurts. You know, it could yeah. be your nose, could be your hand or something. But... Oh, how about the jersey burn around the neck? That one oh. all got me. Fuck, I hated that. Just constant, just like a... a... And it always happens when you don't think, it, like you go through four or five fights and you don't have any jersey burns. You're like, oh, that's nothing. Knuckles hurt a little bit. And then yeah. you get a massive one that just... <sighs> Everything put a little bit of cologne and goes on it burns. Everything oh, just God. every shampoo drips down in the back uh, of your head. Just no, you find those hurt. as badge of honors a little bit. Like uh, I remember, you know, listen, I didn't fight anywhere near maybe as much as you guys did, but when I did it, it uh win or lose, and and my philosophy is I, I wasn't in every fight to be knocking guys out and all that kind of stuff. I was just there to try and help my teammates take a beating, do whatever I had to do, but those badges of honor, you're talking about the, you know, the burns on the neck from all the, the grappling, your knuckles are sore. Maybe you got a punch in the face and maybe got a couple stitches in the eye or black eye or whatever it was. Like, do you think that that's a little badge of honor? Like, did you guys like to, well, it's not know? a badge of honor that my hands are so fucked up. I can't roll a joint. <laughs> hey, every morning I get up my and my hands are in, you know, even now, you know, I get up in the morning and, you're trying to open your hand and like, you're like, Oh my God, how am I going to feel when I'm going to be 60? But you know, badge of honor, like, I, to be honest with you, it's kind of cool when you wake up the next morning and your face is a little swollen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you, is you know, that weird hey, to say that though? That's listen, what I'm trying listen, to get at. Was if I weird? had a black eye, the first fucking place I went to was the bar. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you win a fight, man. Hey, go out. You so I got a go funny story. Got a funny story for you. I were uh, I got traded to um, to Nashville and I fought Borowiecki. And I don't know about you, like he's one guy that could be in the top five too. You know, like I hate fighting lefties. You know, I I just don't I don't feel that comfortable. But he punched me right in the visor and pretty much cut me open from here to here, completely. Visor completely ripped my face. And we had a team dinner right after. It was an afternoon game. We had team dinner and everything. And just the people looking at me, it's just hilarious. And and they don't know what happened. And I'm like, you know, yeah, talking about a badge of honor. <laughs> Here's my face completely smashed. Just walk but, over uh, to these people that are randomly looking at you, lean over and go, <laughs> happened in the NHL last night. <laughs> yeah. No, but to – like to come back to what you were saying, Rivs, it's it, it is kind of, you don't give, I don't care if I lose or I win. I just, obviously you don't want to get hurt, but yeah. Yeah. Having that, the stick taps and, you know, like when you come back in the room and you know that, you know, this year it happened to me when uh, I got hit from uh, Gilbert and it, w it was a clean hit. The puck was in the air, just got hit and sealer went and fought for me, you know, and you know, if, I kind of gave him what people give me and it's kind of weird because I'm usually that guy. So it's kind of like, and he, he was so happy about it. You know, just he, all yeah. the other guys that are skilled guys are always going to come and tap you. But when you kind of do it to somebody else that you're usually doing it, it kind of 
reminds you of like how grateful people are for the dirty it's job. It's amazing that you say that because uh, you know I was a uh, I was <clears throat> I was playing an exhibition game when I was with the Devils and we were playing the Islanders. Riv, who's that Swiss defenseman played for the Habs? Mark Street. Yeah. Yep. Fucking destroyed me at the blue line. Okay. And I'm down. I'm fine, but I'm down. Like I go down hard. In comes some kid who was just drafted, jumps Mark Street. And I get up and I'm like, who's who is this fucking kid? I didn't even see him on the bus on the way over here. And he goes and he fights the guy and I skate over to him. Like the next TV timeout or timeout, I got off the bench. I skated right over the penalty box and I'm like, you are the fucking man for that. It was just because that's, <laughs> that's not what he does, right? Yeah, you know, out, out of character stuff is is what is what's enjoyable to to be a part of when you just got guys that are that are there for each other. But then I said to him, I'm yeah. like, yeah, it, it was only Mark Street, you know. So yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it gets me thinking of a good story too. Like you're talking about how you got hit with your visor and your visor ended up hitting your nose and cutting your cheek. And you know, you look all shambled up. You remember back in the day? Well, I'm, I'm probably really aging myself, but remember we used to, we used to take the sandpaper to the visors. So if you hit a, <laughs> if you hit a guy in the visor, then you're so you ripping were, apart you your knuckles. Guy that sandpaper, your visor, and you had beauty, no visor playing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly who I'm talking about. See what I'm talking about? No, here? I'm I I didn't wear a visor in the NHL. I'm talking about in junior hockey. Everybody yeah. had to wear oh, a visor, and were, we used to we used I, to shave if, the bottom of our visor, which basically was yeah. But you what, used like paper. I heard guys used to use the skate sharpener. They would grind the bottom of their visor or use like a like yeah. A, you guys are you guys are way older than me. Yeah, games thanks, change. Thanks, eh? <laughs> thanks, oh, thanks for telling us that. Can't even take your chin strap off now. Can't even take your chin strap off before fighting. Oh. I don't understand why guys can't just take their helmets off and not bust up their knuckles and everything else. But I guess the concussions come into that, which you know. I I, I kind of get the point of that. But at the same time, you have two grown men that are willing to do it you know i think it's just you know my wow. hands are more fucked up than my face you know it's like every morning i wake up but it's more my hands than anything else you know tell but me something if I had, right. go ahead go ahead if i had if i had the option of going no visor i would but at the same time i can't you I guys wish. probably young guys now probably see like Ryan O'Reilly and these guys skating around without a visor. And that's like how we used to look at Craig McTavish as like the last guy going, no right. helmet. you know what I mean? Like, look at this old bastard. Yeah. Look how crazy yeah, but these who, guys. who, who in that, who in the hell wants to play without a bucket? How many times have you been hit or even given a hit where you've smashed your head against the glass or a I, helmet I, I has smashed you in the head? I don't, there's not a chance that you could pay me. I agree, I, agree on, on the, I agree on the helmet and everything. The visor, I think, is – I kind of agree on – it depends on what style of job. Like, I, I, I fight 14, 15 times a year. If I hit that bucket once, my hand is – like, if I hit that visor once, I'm cutting it, it's done. My hands are in the gloves all year. doesn't have time to heal at all, you know, I think. But the helmet, I think yeah. it, you're right. And this league is so – much faster than when I came in. So when you get hit now, you get hit at high speed and you know, I get I get the full concussion things and everything. How is that? How much faster is the game? 
Like you've been in the league for 586 too much, games. Too much for me. Too much for me. No, but well, it makes- hey, that's bullshit. Because when you came into the league, you were flying. You could you the reason why you're in the league this long is because you're skating. You yeah. can fly. And for you to sit I'm, there and I'm, say I'm kind, of, I'm kind of like a train, you know, it takes it takes time to get going. But when I go now, now I'm good. It changed the way I work out now. You know, I used to work out really? as, oh yeah. I used to work out just pretty much I had a guy, strong man lifting. I was in there two to three hours a day. Now I'm 32 and I do power skating. You know, it's completely. You're doing power you know, skating and Pilates. Nah, Pilates. I'm not flexible enough for that. But you know, it's uh, I, I do I do kind of main, maintenance of the weight so I don't lose my strength. But now it's all about power skating. So I spend two or three hours a week just with one people, one person, and just sh- pretty much showing me the basics. That's what I've been what doing the you, last three. Years. What can you bench press? Give me, give me your, be- give me your set. You know, that's funny. I can't bench press. Why would you even ask that question? Bench press is the most irrelevant I do, I, dumbbell exercise press in hockey history. Well, here's dumbbell the thing. Dumbbell press is fine. Bench press, I can't. My gorilla arms are too long and my shoulders are fucked. <laughs> Listen, back in the day when I came into the league, I was drafted in 92. Okay, let's let's go back a little bit. So my first, my very first training camp, 92, 93, around there, um, Everything was about bench press. Everything was about the North American players, the Canadian yeah. players. They go to camp and they're absolutely ripping bench press. Bench it press, pull ups. Right. And then yeah. all the European guys who come with all these like skinny little arms can't bench press anything, but their legs were huge, big. I think, my, I think my, first, my first camp in Buffalo, we still had the pull ups and bench press. I think bench press, you had to do your body weight at least two times. That's who right. The, and it's so, ir- it's so irrelevant, right? I had to go in that famous bod pod. And you had yeah. your bod, your body fat back then was what? 45 in that thing. <laughs> <laughs> they, were te- they were telling me, they were telling me to not breathe. And I think Matt Molson gave me an unbelievable story. He's like, Hey, hey deal. If you want to really kind of cheat in that, you, uh, Pretty much just go in there, shave your full body, and then drink some wine the night before so you're dehydrated. So you have no hair on you, and you go in there, and you're so much slower. I was like, what? So you want hey, me to get shit? Is, that, is, this a, is this a ninth my- green at nine? If that was true, then I should be 4% body fat because I, <laughs> I was certainly drinking <laughs> wine. I, I remember. Before. No, to be honest with you, I remember Doug told me uh, we're going we're gonna to do body fat. I go in there and he has a massive chew in the mouth with a diet Pepsi at seven more at seven in the morning. I go in there. He's like, mm, kid, you got you got some work to do. You're, you're 25. It's like, what? I just did the pinch and I was like 12 and everybody was like, oh, 12 is good. It's like, no, you're 25 in the bot pod. I was like, oh, <laughs> that was a uh, bullshit. Oh. Oh, Listen, the only thing that saved me in Buffalo with my body fat was the leading goal scorer on our team, and his name was Thomas Vanek because he was a fat guy too. And I hate to say it, he's the only reason I felt comfortable because we were both, <laughs> our body fats were both the same. I was 10 years older though, or longer. Did, you weren't here um, when Vanek was here, right? He was gone? No, so I when I came in, you guys pretty much just sh- shipped everybody out. You know, you had uh, Millsy and... Uh, Tom and Bill. Uh, yeah. 
uh, everybody left. And uh, I think who like right now, if I think on top of my head, when I was there, I think Gusty's the only one that's left. You know, Cal Okposo came in, I think, a year after. Uh and, and Gus think, still can't still can't leave. Can't leave. Can't leave. <laughs> can't leave. He is a goddamn lifer. Yeah. <laughs> He's doing a life sentence with the Sabres. Um, can I ask you something about about back then with the Sabres? Because there, there's just it was it's such a hard time for fans the last 10, 12 years. You know, Ryan O'Reilly leaving, Jack Eichel. I don't even want to get into all that, but what was the morale like around the team? I'm not asking about management or coaches, but just with the losing and the tanking, allegedly tanking, and all of that kind of thing. Like, what was the morale like during the whole time, during the year of tanking? Were players saying, like, let's not fucking lose, or were they just kind of, like, accepting of what was going on or what? Well, obviously, my first year was when... Ike's draft was there, so the next year. So obviously, tours more the last quarter. You're kind of thinking now you have a chance to get McDavid, blah blah blah. As players, that you know how it is. You don't think about that and everything, but you we had such a terrible year, and I think we when was it the year before I was with Ted Nolan, then you switch another coach, and then you have a new GM. And now you're talking about getting a new GM back in. So it was kind of confusing a bit, but it's so hard for me to answer that because I was trying to make make myself an NHL player. So obviously it was more of kind of me, myself, and I trying to like prove that hey, you traded for me. I played 17 games. You signed me for an extension at a minimum salary just to prove myself, just to stay here. And I I was doing that. So no, I think the morale, like, I've, I've been telling to a lot of people, like uh, Tyson Jost, when I played with him in uh, in mini and he he uh, got picked up on waivers, I texted him right away. I was like, hey, you know, it's, I loved mini. Mini was unbelievable and everything. The fan base, and it was great. But I told him, I was like, hey, you're going to have so much fun there. It's just a great place outside of the city. It's unbelievable. I, I started my family in Buffalo and I, I love it, you know, but he he told me at the end of the year, he's like, man, I loved it there. You know, it's, I think it's not, it's tough for sure, but I can't really answer that question, what you guys are going through the last five years, because my mindset was so different when I was there. I but, guess you're you know, just I, happy to be in the league, right? You're just happy to get your... I was, at that point, I was yeah. happy to be in the league at that moment, but trying to stay in the league. So yeah. it was kind of... And I still think like that, you know. I think even even with the contract I have, I, I come to camp and it's which fucker is trying to take my spot. I'm gonna beat him, you know. That's how that's how I always thought myself. And now, with, you know, all those buyouts and everything, you never know. It could be you in the next year. So I think for me, it's just always taking care of my body and bringing what I bring. You know, like I I know I know I'm gonna fight whenever I want. I fought when I was in Montreal. I got I got jumped, unlucky, broke my face. I was out eight weeks. I couldn't make the lineup. My last, my last year in in Montreal because of that. You know, Claude Julien just thought I was always a step behind. So I'm here to prove myself that I'm I can play hockey throughout this camp. 
And if I have to fight 82 times, I'll fight 82 times. So that's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at The Instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.